0: So Money episode 1540, a closer look at how Gen Z spends with Day One Agencies Josh Rosenberg and financial therapist Asia Evans.
1: You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life. Welcome to So Money.
2: Crowdsourcing anybody from like somebody who has hundreds of thousands of followers to the person next door who lives across the country from you and figuring out what they think about a certain product is literally at their fingertips. And apparently they're doing it (laughs) right when they wake up.
0: Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnoosh to Robbie, By popular demand, we are diving into the minds of Generation Z, specifically how they think about consumption, consumption of media, consumption of products and services with so much at this generation's disposal, with them being digital natives, obviously, and so connected to social media and the external world. What does influence mean to this generation? How do they decide on what to buy where to buy when to buy what are the strengths and weaknesses our guests today are Josh Rosenberg he's the co-founder of day one agency a creative communications agency who together with a team at University of Southern California Annenberg Center for Public Relations recently conducted a study by asking USC students to log daily video updates about the information they consumed all with a goal of figuring out how this next generation scrolls and spends. We're going to talk about this new piece of research and accompanying us throughout this conversation. Joining us is our friend Asia Evans, who is a licensed therapist who helps clients relieve money anxiety to achieve financial wellness. Because as we know... With all this influence online comes the pressures to spend, the financial FOMO, how to navigate all of that. Whether you're Gen Z or Farnoosh Tarabi, we have incredible insights and help in this next half hour. So without further ado, here are my two wonderful guests today, Josh Rosenberg and Asia Evans. Josh Rosenberg and Asia Evans, welcome to So Money, a special episode where I get to share the mic with two, not one, but two experts. Welcome.
1: Thanks for having us. Nice to meet you finally.
0: I know. And Asia, you are no stranger to this podcast. You were on recently with Jamie Rose on Juneteenth. I love the way your brain thinks, and I thought, what a perfect combination—a cocktail, if you will—today of expertise as we dive into the habits, mindset, practices, consumer practices of Generation Z. First of all, raise a hand. What? Gen- I'm Gen X. Raise your hand if you're Gen X. I am the only. Well, I, I and Josh are raising our hands. Asia, you are millennial. A millennial, mm-hmm. I am.
1: I'm a, I'm a baby Gen Xer, though. I'll just, I'll qualify that.
0: I'm an elder.
1: No, you're I'm an an Elder
0: in- millennial.
1: Okay.
0: I think. <laughs> I mean, same at this point. <laughs> Okay. So fair to say, safe to say, neither one of us is in this Gen Z cohort, but we do know a lot about them. Thanks to, uh, in part, thanks to Josh Rosenberg's great work as the co-founder of Day One Agency, pairing up with University of Southern California, Annenberg Center of Public Relations to look at how Gen Z consumes and Throughout this episode, we're going to talk about your findings, Josh, but also wanted to bring Asia's perspective to the show too, to talk a little bit about how we can help this generation, how we can better serve this generation as they make really important money decisions. And I think even if you're not in Gen Z, I think we can all use the good reminders because let's be honest, we're all influenced right now by social media, which seems to be, Josh, I'll let you kick it off, seems to be the, uh, the big finding here is that just how much we know that social media is influential, but with regards to Gen Z, what did your study find in terms of the relationship that Gen Z has with social media, the influence and, and how it plays a role in their in their consumption?
1: Yeah, so we learned so much and I was fascinated by sort of what some of the findings were, even just in how Gen Z talks about the way that they consume media and their, the relationship they have with their phones. It was almost like there was almost like a pleasure in it. Yes, they love what they're seeing. They love the entertainment value. Um, what we found is all all of them. Right, we surveyed 34 USC students um, using a mobile ethnographic study where they basically we asked them questions and they basically had 10 minute responses to how they consume media um, each day, and they answered it three times a day. So we really got an intimate look at that. Um, but as I was going to say, like they literally wake up every morning and go right onto TikTok just to make sure, quote unquote, they're alive and that they're not missing out on the latest meme or whatever is going on. So that was sort of the pleasure of it. But then there's also almost a panic where you know there's too much screen time. You know, when they look at their screen time reports, you know they know that they need to sort of stop and put down the mm-hmm. phone and think about other ways um, to connect. So just sort of that how hyper aware they were was really um, interesting to us.
0: I will admit I was on thread until 1 yes. a.m.
1: last night. I think we all.
0: But also it was the first day and I honestly didn't even learn about it until 11 p.m. How, I'm clearly not Gen Z. <laughs> <You> <laughs> I don't know what's up. going on. <laughs> so now we have one more thing to throw into the social media pile. I want to talk later, Asia, about this FOMO mm-hmm. um, and how it might play a role in our our well, Gen Z in particular, but everybody's approach to thinking they need, want things. But Josh, how does Gen Z define influence? We throw this word around a lot. What does it mean to them?
1: I mean, that's like the million dollar question, right? I'm not sure that they <laughs> they, they really they don't think about it. Thought about it in that way. Um, I think what we really try to understand is sort of what influenced their behaviors and how they sort of were making their purchase decisions. And what we found was there's this, they all talked about the rabbit hole, right? Which is, you know, we've all been on those digital rabbit holes. But it was so apparent that um this generation really does a lot of research. So yes, their scrolls move fast. We have six seconds to reach them as we all know um, as marketers, but you know, when they are interested and they are looking to make a purchase decision, they really do go on a rabbit hole and they go from site to site and they're very particular on how they're researching what it is they want to buy and who they're listening to, which we thought was interesting. And, you know, I'm sure we've all read about TikTok search and how important that is and where Gen Z goes to search. What was interesting there is they're not necessarily looking at people they know or even creators um, with large followings are actually looking at everyday people that are strangers and their reviews. Um, that's part of what they're using to make um, their decisions. So we thought that was you know very interesting as you sort of go down the rabbit hole, just what those peer recommendations really um, mean.
0: Wow. The days of... I remember my dad, my parents used to look through Consumer Reports magazine before... Identifying any sort of big ticket purchase, a car, a microwave. Asia, as you're hearing this, I'm learning that there are strengths and weaknesses, pros and cons, as far as how Gen Z approaches content consumption, media. Like they have an awareness of the fact that they can go overboard, like all of us, with the the time spent on social. They are very discerning when it comes to who they trust, which I kind of like. I don't like that. You know, it's great that they're um, looking for reinforcements, more better reinforcements as far as like whether to make a purchase or not from trusted sources, which they consider to be everyday people. That's kind of special, Um, instead of like maybe paid spokespeople or the companies themselves. But I'm also hearing that there is FOMO, there is going down rabbit holes, there is this sense of feeling so attached to what is going on in the external world, that it almost like they lose their sense of identity. And so as you, there's a question here, as you have been working with clients um, or if as you've been observing Gen Z, how would you characterize what's going on in terms of their finan- relationship with money and their financial habits?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I'm seeing the same trends that Josh um, is seeing as well. I think that there's a level of knowledge that, um, I mean, I'm going to go on the limb and say millennials and Gen Xers didn't really have as readily available. So crowdsourcing anybody from like somebody who has hundreds of thousands of followers to the person next door who lives across the country from you and figuring out what they think about a certain product is literally at their fingertips. And apparently they're doing it (laughs) right when they wake up and when they're thinking about it. So what I have found with my clients who fall into um, Gen Z is that they have the information, the knowledge is there. So when we're talking about financial health, they know, hey, it's really important for me to be investing and getting into retirement. And what does that look like? And how do I build these investments? Um, But there's also that sense of FOMO, like I want to do it all now. There is this urgency of like um, a big, shiny object. So when we think about um, I don't want to call them get rich quick schemes, but some of the things out there that are kind of making big promises very quickly or what's the latest stock pick and kind of feeling like they need to get on top of that immediately versus um me and I'll take use myself who's like hey I'm in it for the long haul like let's just be here and put my money in monthly and I'm not even worried about kind of the gamification of investing or things like that so I think the knowledge is really helpful for them to build a level of financial health but it needs to be balanced with uh, a sense of urgency as well as feeling like um and this is I feel like this just crosses ages that people feel like they don't know what they're doing. So they know they need to do the thing, but they don't feel like they have the confidence to do whatever the it is. So I definitely run into that with um, Gen Z and when we're talking about it, but I feel like the knowledge is a beautiful step forward for them to be like, okay, what do I need to be doing? How do I do that in a, a realistic way?
1: Yeah. I think to even just to build on that, if that's okay, like even just thinking about um, the fact that Then There is less sort of trusted sources out there, right? Especially when you're thinking about financial advice. So it's like, how do you find those trusted sources that, you know, can, if you're just taking advice from people you don't even know, can help you to help build a better financial future, which is why I think media literacy is so important. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. We talk about this a lot on the show. Believe it or not, people still want to know, like we just did an episode on how to find like a trustworthy CPA, um, someone who's not going to, A, make you feel guilty or have shame over not knowing how to do your taxes, but also won't be a thief. (laughs) I mean, these are extremes, but I think that there is a necessary level of education. I mean, good news, there's a lot of resources. Bad news, it's overload. And there's with with expansion comes more room for error and more room for misdeeds, if you will. And so we talk a lot on this show about like how to actually cut through the noise and differentiate who's an expert versus who's just somebody who's interesting to follow, but not maybe someone you want to pay for advice. Right. Um, Josh, I'd love to go back to the methodology of this study, which you kind of touched on earlier, but I thought was really unique and special in so far as how surveys are typically done. We don't actually get real data, video data. Tell us a little bit about these vlogs, I suppose, that you gathered and how it enhanced the findings
1: the whole impetus for this study was, you know, clients come to us all the time and they want to reach the next generation. And, you know, as a creative comms agency, they all want to know, where is Gen Z? What are they reading? How do we reach them? And there's been so many studies that have been done quantitatively. um, And we're like, you know what, what if we go right to the source? And I'm actually on the board at USC of the Center of Public Relations. So I spoke to the director there, Fred Cook, and I was like, you know, we'd love to think about how can we architect this study to really understand, like, where is Gen Z? What influences them, and you know how could we as marketers potentially reach them and engage with them in an authentic way? Um, so he and his team really suggested this approach, which was a really first ever way to to ask these questions, which is a mobile ethnography. So it was through a company a research tool called D Scout. Um, we basically it was uh, two weeks, and we asked 34 um, representative students sort of how do they get their news. You know, what are they interacting with? Um, And we asked them every time in the morning for 10 minutes what did they watch? You know, where did they interact? How did they feel? And then we also asked them in the evening the same sorts of questions. Um, And then the team really went through and did an analysis and came out with some of these studies, which, you know, we thought were really interesting. As I mentioned earlier, around the pleasure and panic of the feed to, you know, just the fact that, for this generation, there is no prime time, you know. Prime time is all the time. And it's interesting to hear how we asked them, you know, how does their media consumption different than their is different than their parents? And the thing that shocked me the most, maybe because I am such an old these days, um, is they don't even turn on the TV. They don't even have a TV. The way it spoke about their parents was, oh, my parents, they they watch TV. And it's like, you know, these this generation really. Doesn't, Of course, these are college students and, you know, we can't totally generalize, but among this student population, you know, they're watching everything on their phones or potentially their laptops, right? They are students. So, you know, assuming they have um, a computer. So it's just very interesting just how that is seen as like antiquated. Um, you know, so really the way to reach them is through micro content and these micro moments.
0: No more flipping channels. You know what I did this weekend, which was antiquated? I went to the mall.
1: Wow. I heard the mall is having a comeback, though, post-pandemic Ooh. as a spot.
0: <laughs> yeah, I saw people working on their laptops in the mall. People are at the mall not to shop. They're there to meet with friends and go for a power walk. They're there to check email because maybe they are tired of working from home. Yeah, it's interesting. And I do, I can say there there is at least a staffing comeback. When you used to go into a department store, it was like Siberia. You could not find someone to help you find anything, get a changing room or turn something. It was like one person per floor. And now there are many more people working and at least this is just my micro experience, but you've been hearing a lot about the end of the mall, but you say now it's making a comeback. Like what is the comeback about?
1: I think it's these immersive experiences, um, where um, a lot of repurposed malls are becoming, you know, more entertainment centers in a way. And it's more about like the food, the dining. Yes. There's retail right. there too. in a imagined in a new way. Um, probably smaller footprints, but more interesting experiences. Yeah.
0: We live near the American Dream Mall in Jersey and the stores there are just like accessories. They're like the dressing. <laughs> Cause you know, you go there for the Legoland or the Nickelodeon thing yeah, or the water park or the indoor mm-hmm. ice skating rink. Oh, and by the way, maybe you'll stop at Lululemon's which is having a moment, by the way, totally sidebar here, but the only store that I saw long lines at, at the mall was Lululemon. I think it's because they're they're actually in the news for having overstocked a lot of athleisure and now they have to get rid of it. So they're having, I mean, because they don't really have tons of sales there. And I think right now it's like a fire sale. So by the time this air is probably too late to get their $100 sp- yoga pants for, for whatever they're going for now, but- It's interesting to see just some of the interesting, I don't know, it's unpredictable because I remember getting into personal finance 20 years ago. And one of the first stories that crossed my desk was, it was a book, actually. It was like the end of the mall. I'll never forget. I think Paco, I don't know, I forget the name of the, the writer. He was a very famous marketing expert. And he was like, basically malls will be, have gone the way of the dinosaur by, you know, the year 2020. And here we are. Guess he didn't predict a pandemic, uh, to throw a wrench into things. Um, let's go back to, I want to talk about guardrails. Asia, we touch a little bit on, okay, so we know some of the, the, Ways that Gen Z might be having a different consumption experience. There's more information. There's more access. There's screens now, which you know they can. It's like prime time is all the time. So they can, you know, usually you reserve some decisions for certain seasons or certain months, and now you're like literally buying stuff at 11:30 from your bed um, when you don't have to. But here you are, and so. When someone is experiencing financial purchasing FOMO or they find themselves wondering, should I invest in the thing or follow the person's advice that's going to help me with my money? What are the guardrails or the criteria that you think at least like the cheat sheet, right? Like go through these three bullets before you actually open your wallet. Yeah. So I think, um, and we
2: mentioned it before, like, make sure that you trust your source like wherever you're getting this information please make sure that it's somebody who knows what they're talking about um and is experienced and you know not everybody wants to identify as an expert but like i'm gonna go the way of like make sure they know what they're talking about like you can call them whatever you want but like make sure they know what they're talking about and then i would definitely say like is this something that you can afford um I know Gen Z loves an experience. Listen, so do I. I, I love a good experience. Maybe not to the American dream because um, that's overwhelming to me. A lot. <laughs> it's a lot. But I mean, I love an experience of taking a trip. Um, my favorite thing to do. But when you're doing that, I think it can be really easy to feel like you need to blow the budget to do that. So I'm thinking... Um, these very 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 lovely expensive um bachelorette and bachelor parties that people are going on i think i saw um something that recently came out that said it was like $10,000 all in and that felt really <sighs> insane to me wow um and maybe not per person but like a $10,000 in total bachelorette or um bachelor party or just like you know wedding party it that's a lot of money so I want you to have the experience, but I also don't want you to then regret your experience in the past when you get home and you're looking at what your bank account looks like. I want those memories to last you, but I don't want you to feel bad about them. So looking at your budget and deciding like, do I have a budget? Can I afford this? I know we all want to put it on our IG. We want it on TikTok. We want it to look good. Um, But, you know, it's not really worth it if you feel like crap after you get back home. Like that's not that's not worth it at all. So definitely making sure that you have room for it. Um, and then I would also say, we all need to find some cheap coping strategies. I think it's really, really easy for us to kind of cope with what's going on, your stressors in life by spending money, um, going on those extravagant experiences. But sometimes like reading a book outside feels really nice. Going, going for a eat. walk
0: with a friend. I've made yes. a new friend in the neighborhood. We go on walks sometimes. We, do, we, we give ourselves the option. Do we want to go for a drink or do we want to go for a walk? A lot of we would just say the walk because yep. we know because we are older, we know how we're going to feel the next morning and we have kids. So maybe I, if I could offer one more thing, throw it, you know, a, a piece of advice is um, talk to your elders. Because they've been there, done that. A lot of what we're talking about, while unique to Gen Z, I think has been universal for every young generation, whether you're a boomer now or a Gen X, like you've all, we've all been there. We've all been 25 at one point or 22 and have felt the pressures of, of trying to keep up with our friends and learning and making mistakes on the go. It's part of the process, but sometimes just <sighs> trusting that someone who's 10 years ahead, who's telling you to look out for something, don't, you know, I, Larry David, perfect example. Okay. He was uh, interviewed recently, you know, Larry David, he's the creator of Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm. He was interviewed on, I think it was like an ESPN podcast and it was recent. And, and they said, what do you do if you get, if you get invited to a, an, a destination wedding, speaking of Bridesmaids Asia. And he said, uh, well, is it out of the country? And they said, yeah, it's destination. Like, and he lives in LA. And he's like, so you're talking about 14-hour flight? He's like, the answer is no. And he (laughs) just, (laughs) just learn to say no, like Larry David. And he's a multi, multi multi-millionaire, maybe even a billionaire. So it's not about even money for him. It's about he can't be bothered. And you know what? You should be allowed. To feel that way when you're 25 too. Like you should, if something bothers you, like you should say no, and that should be enough for you. Create those boundaries early and, and well. And, and often. often. Think, and often.
1: I also think that- <laughs> Josh, go for those it. Those no's make the yeses even better. Even better.
0: Yes,
2: yes. Yeah. And I would also just like piggyback off of that is that I think what happens with Gen Z so frequently is that their self-esteem suffers when they say no, that they think that they are not as cool if they don't go or they're not as deserving or why can't I go? Listen, you're still the bomb.com if you go (laughs) like, and you still are if you don't go. So please do not wrap your self-esteem up in like FOMO. Like you're still a worthy human if you decide that you don't need that brand new you know, fill in the blank here.
0: Well, I could certainly talk about this with you too for Hours upon hours, but I'm going to wrap us up and say thank you for coming on with these really, Josh, amazing work with uh, USC Annenberg. I applaud you and your your team there for this study. We'll link it in our show notes. And Asia, always thank you with, for the advice. Congrats on some of the New York Times pieces you've been mentioned in recently. Thank you. And I guess we'll have to have you come back because, you know, this generation, there are no shortage of surprises and new trends. I look forward to following them. Ah, How about that? I look forward to following Gen Z. Thanks so much to Josh Rosenberg and Asia Evans. That's right. I'm going to be following Gen Z. They're one to watch. They know what's up for a closer look at the study conducted by Day One Agency and USC Annenberg Center for Public Relations. Click on the link in our show notes. I'll see you back here on Wednesday, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I hope your day is so money.